0: Well, friend, we have been in a long series in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it has been very insightful and helpful as we ponder our life and our existence, and how does that relate to our faith? This book has been very popular in recent years following the pandemic of 2020 because that event paused everyone. In many cases, it caused people to consider their life. As everyone's life was put on hold, it was an occasion for people to Consider their priorities and what's important in life. And this book is a great resource because we get to see a great example in King Solomon of someone who has all of the wealth, intelligence, prestige, and power that many people crave. Yet his catchphrase throughout this book is vanity and the meaninglessness of life. So we get to peek into his world and, and we see the person that many of us aspire to be was dissatisfied with the worldly pursuits that engulf us in our daily lives. Throughout this book, Solomon is reasoning from a materialistic worldview and realizing the futility of it and the need for faith. And last week, we talked about folly. We live in a foolish world. We ourselves are foolish, and it's unavoidable. And so we have to understand that there are going to be times that we have to deal with that, our own foolishness and the foolish decisions that are going on around us. It's everywhere. Exercising discernment and wisdom in our culture is not only imperative for us to stay on our course and avoid peril, but to also encourage those around us to be that source of wisdom and strength. So many people need wisdom. So many people need answers. There are not many mentors in this world, even as middle-agers sometimes need the sage wisdom of the elderly, and it goes on down from there. So I recommend you go back on my podcast and listen to the chapter 10 episode as it relates to the folly of this world and how we deal with that. But today, my friend, we're on a topic that most people will have an opinion about. This is a topic that we've all experienced on a personal level. This is a topic that we sometimes deal with with our children and grandchildren, and that is the topic of youth. Now, this is a popular topic because adolescence tends to bring out a lot of apprehension and opinions among all of us. Most of us were either a teenager or a young adult at some point and had a variety of different upbringings and experiences. For some of us, it was the best of times. It was about adventure and fun, and it was carefree. Some of us made wise decisions in our youth that built a foundation for the rest of our lives, and others have difficult stories and upbringings that were unfortunate, whether it was poor choices that they made themselves or also what counselors and social workers called ACEs, otherwise known as adverse childhood experiences, which shape the rest of our lives. Again, childhood and youth are the building blocks for our future. In many cases, there are people that we've known and heard about that have overcome incredible hardship, and they have done extraordinarily well to become the reasoned mature adults and disciples, even amid those circumstances. But for many, if our youth is full of too much selfishness or dysfunction, it can adversely affect the rest of our life. It sets us on paths. It sets us on grooves and avenues that are unhealthy and immature. In popular culture, most people consider youth culture to have come in with the Beatles uh, on Ed Sullivan because that was the main pivot that began this kind of change in the demographics. The target demographic went from being older people with money, parents, grandparents, etc., to the disposable income that happened from teenagers and young adults. With that catering came power, came influence, and the ability to be self-destructive. And I believe I speak for many parents when I say that it's important to recognize that most marketing towards our young people do not have their best intentions at heart. It is for one reason. It is to sell them product, it is to establish brand loyalty, they become consumers of their product or their ideology. And my friend, that's why it's important that we speak to and with youth about important things. When it comes to youth, our expectations dictate our experiences. If we expect those years to be difficult, you know they will be difficult. If we expect them to be wonderful, they can be wonderful. I can't guarantee you that if you expect the good, that that'll happen. But I can tell you if you expect bad experiences, you have exponentially increased the likelihood of that outcome. I served in youth ministry from the early 90s until almost 2020, where I saw the end of Gen X all the way through Gen Y, otherwise known as the Millennials, and then finally the onset of Gen Z. And my friends, what I have to tell you is that I stand by those statements. What you expect is usually going to be similar to what you get that I have known wonderful teenagers, wonderful young adults, people I'm proud to know, people I admire greatly. And then of course there's the typical expectation, the stereotype of the rebellion, the poor decisions, etc. And certainly we've all had our heart broken by ourselves and then others who are in our responsibility who sometimes make poor decisions. But the important thing is, I want to approach this subject with a level-headedness. So much of the noise and the distraction and the uh, drama is just that we get worked up. The fear, the emotion, those experiences, the existential dread that some people go into parenting adolescence with can be difficult. I want to move those to the side, and we're going to read this uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, where he just talks about youth. And I think that he's got some good words for us today. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes 11:9 through 12:7. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that all of these things God will bring into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. Your youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the streets are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and the desire fails because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. What I think is interesting about Solomon's passage is how he starts off saying, this is good. Enjoy the days of your youth. Being young is a good thing, and he wants you to take joy in that. For many people, we remember our youth, and we all have our stories, and it's just a lovely time because it's, in many cases, the best we're going to look, the best we're going to (laughs) feel. And we discover who we're going to be. There's something to be celebrated about those times. And I always talk about the importance of rites of passage for our kids, that we need to enjoy it with them. And we need to cheer them along. And we need to, to make sure that they do not take for granted the wonderful young years of their life. At the same time, We're provided with some good counsel here. It talks about we are still accountable. There is this delayed adolescence, this avoidance of maturity and responsibility. Most of what our culture says is put off responsibility as long as you can. Indulge yourself as much as you can. And live in denial. I think that those attitudes are self-destructive. They create self-fulfilling prophecies. They expect the rest of their life to be terrible, so it is. They expect themselves to be disappointed, so they are. Parents, we expect the teenage years to be rebellious and unpleasant, and sometimes they are. But friend, we also have a God who has designed us and given us his word and is available via our prayers, our spiritual disciplines, and our obedience to him. Because friend, a lot of what I'm writing on at the moment is how backwards our culture is. Friend, we are not giving the youth that much of an aspirational figure that they would want to aspire to. So many people are living nostalgic, backward-facing lives where they are gazing backwards and just kind of glancing forward when it should be the opposite. My friend describes this as akin to driving your car in reverse or always looking in the rear mirror when you're driving down the street. You can't do that. We have to always continue to look forward, to gaze forward with expectation for what's happening next in our life, and glance back occasionally for some nostalgia and some point of reference, but otherwise life continues to go on without us. When we get stuck and nostalgic, especially in our faith, we are putting a lid on our future generations because by being limited ourselves, we can give less to them, but we also give them less to aspire to. When they get the feeling that we have quit, but yet are expecting them to perform, it hurts that cause. So my friend, what I'm recommending is that we encourage our youth. If you are a youth, these are wonderful years, and we look forward to watching you grow, but we also want you to grow in godliness. Evangelist Billy Graham once said, there's a great identity crisis among students today. Who am I? What is the purpose of life? Where did I come from? Where am I going? The Bible has a direct answer to this great big philosophical question. He adds in Hebrews 11.25 that there is pleasure in sin, but the Bible says it's only for a season. Then when it is over, it leaves you bitter and finally destroys you. A day of reckoning always comes. Friend, we're built for so much more than just what our world is enticing us with and defining us with. For inspiration, I turn to 1 Timothy, which is a great book, especially for young people because Timothy himself was young. He is a protege of Paul and the way that Paul encouraged Timothy, we need to be encouraging young people not only to stay strong in the faith, but also to take the rightful place in Christian leadership, to aspire to more than this world seems to be offering them. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And friend, that is what we need to do. Call upon the Lord with a pure heart. You don't have to lower your standards. In fact, 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers as an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. I've known through my life many young people that have inspired me, and we need more people just like that. So friends, whether you're a parent or a grandparent encouraging young people, whether you're a young person yourself right now who's just trying to figure out life, just commit to your faith and the discipleship path and pursue with great expectation what God is going to do in your life. Friend, I'm so glad you could join me today, and I'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.